Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Rainier. Rainier, how's it going? What's up, Henry? What's up? How's it going, man? It's been a long time since I've been here. Yeah, been a little while, been a minute. Yeah. Um, But it's good to have you back. And today is... June 23rd, 2023, and we're going to change things up a bit today. Um, We're kind of going to go rogue today. We're going to do things a little bit freeform, a little informal, and I guess just just a brief backstory, I guess. Um, You and I, Rainier, we're looking to kind of get back to the roots of this podcast and the roots of this podcast really are our lunch conversations, right? <laughs> yeah. So we have been coworkers, coworkers for quite some time now. Yeah. Forever. And <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we've been having lunch like forever <laughs> and you know, our, our lunches are great because we just chat about bullshit <laughs> and, comics and movies and pop culture and just like all the great things in life right i feel like that's uh, the yeah. glue that brought us together our, oh like, totally our nerddom our geekdom uh in addition to exploring all the fine eateries that oakland had to offer pre-pandemic yeah yes exactly i 100 percent agree and you know after a while we were like man our conversations at lunch are so good that we should be recording this shit you know they're worth recording <laughs> yes it's 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 worthy of that so that that was really how the podcast started that that truly is the the origin story of this show um so more recently the the show's gotten a little more structured and it's become something of a movie review format of a show which you know i enjoy a lot i know preferio and christian enjoy that um, but why not get back to the roots of it a bit? So we're going to sprinkle in these, these sort of, uh, informal chit chats here and there and just see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. The way I see this is that like, this is a chat about everything you can find at Comic-Con and Comic-Con is not just limited to movies. We yeah. still have comics. We still have games. We still have art. We have, yeah. There's everything, anime, there's everything encompassed in pop culture. And I feel like yeah. there's so much ground to cover. Why not have an additional show? Ooh, I like, I like how you mentioned Comic-Con because where you, whereas you might think of the more formal formats we've been doing as like the panels at Comic-Con, this format we're doing today is maybe like the conversations you have in line going to the panels right oh, yeah. because that's like for comic con and comic conventions that can be as good maybe better than some of the official stuff right oh i agree i feel like right? like that's the most underestimated thing at comic con like everyone complains about lines but dude like a lot of my best experiences have been waiting in line meeting new people discovering new things from the conversations i have from those that i meet in line and yeah. we've been in many lines together you and i and have camped out many times and they've always been a blast (laughs) yeah yeah you meet a lot of interesting characters in line at conventions uh so maybe this is a little a little taste of that yeah yeah so as promised no set theme no set agenda 
uh, we can just kind of freeform it. Like we were brainstorming a bit and and thinking, well, loosely we could touch upon like the topics of the day, whatever that might be. We're going to keep it in the realm of of comics and fandom, pop culture. But other than that, it's pretty open. Yeah, yeah. That said, what's on your mind, Rainier? I can tell you what's been taking up a lot of my time lately. Okay. I've been playing the new uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom Ooh. game. I bought okay. it uh, at uh, the day of launch. Mm-hmm. And uh, that game has completely taken over my life. <laughs> uh. Now, have you played have you, have you played any of the Zelda games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you play um, the last one, Breath of the Wild? That was like the launch no. game for the Switch. Okay. I pretty much just played the first one, the original Legend of Zelda. Oh, yeah. original Legend of yeah. Zelda. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, I think I've stuck with Zelda through the N64, obviously through the Nintendo, um, mm-hmm. up until the latest version, which is what I'm playing now. Oh, wow. And cool. man, I have to say, Zelda Tried and True is a fantastic game, great story. And what I love about this game is it's just all about exploration. Like, I... I've been playing since it came out like two months ago. And I feel like I've only scratched the surface of this game Mm. (laughs) because the world is just huge. And it's not even because there's like an online world component to it, but it's just, it's, you're exploring this huge map and there's just so much to find and it's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I've heard, I've been hearing nothing but great things about this game and how it's been very like consuming, like you've been mentioning. Like it just kind of takes over your life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Is, that's a sign of a great game right there, right? <laughs> I think the last game that I was like really enthralled with was uh, the Arkham, uh, the Arkham series, like mm. Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight, Arkham City. Uh, and the funny thing is, I just got a new PlayStation 5 and haven't even taken mm. it out of the box yet because I'm stuck in the world <laughs> of Hyrule. <laughs> Ooh. Hear, hear that sony there step up your game man <laughs> um, but yeah it's been a while my kids are actually watching me play the game um and yeah. i don't think they've actually watched me play a game as intensely as i'm playing uh <laughs> tears of the kingdom so oh, wow we're kind of experiencing it together it's actually kind of fun that's great love that yeah love it yeah. love it so that's what's been taking up my time i did catch the new flash movie Mm. Uh, that's the most recent movie I saw. And then the movie before that was Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. Both of which I've seen as well. Uh, FYI, next week, we're going to do a full review of the Flash movie with spoilers and everything. So today we're, g- we're not going to get too deep into it, but maybe we can touch upon it, do a little spoiler-free take. Um, what's your spoiler-free take on the Flash movie, Rainier? Uh, let's see. My spoiler free take is I loved it. (laughs) Mm. I really enjoyed it. Um, I had, I don't know what my expectations were. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of try to, I don't keep, it's not like, okay, I don't even know how to say this. (laughs) My expectations aren't the same way it would be for like Marvel films. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, my stance on Marvel films that they sort of copy this sort of formula. Formula, Um, Yep. But DC, it's kind of a wild card. Uh, And I think like for a lot of people, they're either really hot or really cold. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I generally really enjoy them. I love DC. I also love Marvel. Um, So I try to give it a fair shake. 
Uh, but yep. at the end of the day, I love it. I'm a, I'm a huge DC and Marvel fan. And I can't, I can't pick. <laughs> right on. And you know, it's okay to love both. It's okay. You know, you don't have to pick sides, right? Um, what I'm really cool. hating though, are the Go people ahead. that approach me and are like, man, I love Marvel movies way more than DC, mm-hmm. but DC movies, when are they going to get their act together? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that comes up all the time. And I feel right. like I have a duty to defend DC yeah. films. <laughs> yeah. 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 Almost as if it's like you're not allowed to like any DC stuff because the consensus is that they're inferior to Marvel. Right. <laughs> you like what you like if you like it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were chatting off mic earlier about how there's just a lot to unpack with this movie. Yeah. I don't think we want to go down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> there's just a lot going on with The Flash. Um, I can't say I love the movie, but I will say that it was one of the most interesting movie experiences I've had in a while. <laughs> In that, the movie is completely bonkers. It's insane. It's just really insane. I mean, almost that alone, it's it's worth, uh, you know, recommending people check it out. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. It's just you know, really nuts. All the controversy that's surrounding Ezra Miller, if you can take that all away and just look at the movie itself and him as an actor, mm-hmm. I thought Ezra Miller did fantastic debatable you know uh yeah you know my take on that is i didn't like him so much as the lead of the movie as as the main character but the the younger version of himself i liked him in that role i thought he was really funny so as a a supporting character i liked i liked him um so yeah that's that's interesting okay i know we don't want to go into this rabbit hole but because you mentioned the younger version of himself so there's the older version of himself and it's mm-hmm. interesting because the older version of himself very quickly realized, oh man, the younger version of myself is a total idiot. <laughs> so yeah. now I have to get my act together and be the adult version of myself. Yeah. And so it was a very quick, like, you know, um, moment of clarity for mm-hmm. for the Barry Allen that we know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And that's just, you know scratching the surface in terms of the insanity of this movie. Yes, Ezra Miller plays multiple versions of Barry Allen, and there are multiple versions of other characters as well. Uh, so yeah, let's not get into it too much, but yeah, it's really bonkers and it's it's a wild, wild ride. Yeah, yeah. And not only on screen, but like you touched upon the controversy with Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller, um, there's like craziness going on like outside of the movie itself, right? There's Ezra Miller. There is like the, I don't know, superhero fatigue uh, conversations Ooh. happening. I have a comment on that actually. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, we can revisit it, but keep going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll finish my thought here, but um, like people are talking about the state of streaming and how it's affecting uh, theatrical releases and box office uh, there's talks of the superhero genre just fading away and maybe video adaptation video game adaptations taking over. I mean, there's this is there's all kinds of crazy big discussions going on. So yeah, it's interesting that this movie is kind of at the forefront of all of that, right? Um, but specifically superhero fatigue. Yeah, maybe we can 
chat about that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, so superhero fatigue. Okay, so do you follow so Michael Rosenbaum? Uh, you know him as Lex Luthor from Smallville, also the voice of yep. Flash from Justice League. Mm, uh, he okay. has this great podcast inside of me, and he recently interviewed James Gunn. I don't suppose you caught mm. that episode, no. did you? No, I didn't, but it sounds interesting okay. already. And what's crazy is that like Michael Rosenbaum and James Gunn, they're like best buds. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you caught this, but in the recent, actually in in the just or in the uh, Guardians trilogy, Michael Rosenbaum's in there. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you caught that. Yeah. Um, so they were talking about uh, they were talking about superhero fatigue, and James Gunn made a very interesting comment, and his comment was. And he didn't say specifically Marvel or DC, but I think you know where he's going with this. He said that he feels like the current state of superhero films are are just getting lazy. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit with that for a second. I'm like, lazy? Okay, I still see people getting excited about it. But at the same time, I do see people talking about superhero fatigue. And so he elaborated more on that, talking about like, you know, um, it's essentially the same story that's like churning over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. clearly he's talking about Marvel and the formula, right? Uh-huh. I think so. Which yeah. is of course kind of a slap to the hand that, you know, provided him the opportunity <laughs> to, to, to do Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Sure, sure. But I thought about that. I'm like, you know, that's, that's absolutely right. Like Marvel has gotten to a point where it doesn't matter what they put out. People are going to get excited about it. People are going to go see it. And there's this thing where it's like, let's throw a cameo, a cameo in there, and boom, you you've got a successful like applaud hitting story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, I, that's partly me like thinking about where his head is with superhero fatigue. But he does go on about like it's it's more story fatigue than it is superhero fatigue. Mm, and yeah. I can see that happening because of the McMarvel formula that like a lot of these stories keep a lot of these movies keep sort of coming out, you know, with the same sort of story direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily superhero fatigue. You can take the example of Spider-Man. He's been rebooted how many times, right? Mm-hmm. But you look at across the Spider-Verse and it's a fresh new take on Spider-Man, a really compelling story. And it's a great movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you can still tell stories of the same superhero, but you just got to tell good stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with the sentiment there. Like, I mean, it was kind of inevitable, right? Because Marvel Studios was so successful that, like you're saying, whatever they put out, people are going to watch, right? And you can try all you can, but if you have that built-in fan base, it's going to be easy to get a little lazy. Like, well, you know, I could work extra hard on, on sharpening the up cgi in the scene but you know what in the end everyone's gonna watch it so why should i care you know you know yeah. i don't, i mean that that that's that comment was kind of dismissive to a lot of people who work hard on these movies but you, you know what i'm driving at you know like the, the motivation level becomes a little less like you compare that to like let's say iron man where the stakes were a lot higher if that movie didn't hit that's it there, that's the last Marvel Studio movie. Yeah, right? no there MCU, won't be no, another no Marvel Studios. Yeah. There's none of that. Nothing, yeah. right? That they there was so much at stake there, right? So they had to 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 really pull out all the stops and make the best movie they could. Um over time, yeah, it's just you know, the the motivation factor diminishes a bit. So, yeah, I I agree. I agree, you know, like um 
laziness. I, I, could, I can definitely see that as a factor. That's the thing. Like with DC movies, there, I don't think there's like a formula that's being followed. Um, I know that they're probably, I mean, I'm sure they're taking cues from Marvel um, with the whole shared universe. I think every movie is taking cues yeah. from the whole shared universe situation. But like, I think DC is trying to do it different. And I think it's it's hitting and missing but see i think it, mm -hmm. i think they have to take those leaps and bounds and they do have to take those risks otherwise we're going to end up with the same superhero movie over and over again it's just going to be reskinned yeah yeah um yeah i 100 agree that dc needs to take risks they need to try out different things and like you you said they are doing that um maybe they need to rein it in a bit and and just you know give some structure to all of the chaos because it is chaotic. You you really don't know what's going on. Um, is it a shared universe? Is it not? And it's just kind of unstructured. Um, and I would say they are continuing to borrow stuff from Marvel. I mean, there is a lot of parallels between this Flash movie and No Way Home. Like clearly they were using some of the stuff from No Way Home. Well, let's not forget that Marvel has taken cues from DC and the comics many times true. in the past, almost blatantly outright. This is true. 100%. 100%. Um, but if we're saying, well, Marvel needs to kind of get their shit together, well, maybe DC needs to stop copying Marvel because then it's just a downward spiral for everyone, right? So uh, I agree. Keep, keep the shit fresh. Why not? I think the hardest thing, though, is that for the audience like Marvel is the blueprint and yeah. it's going to be very hard to like change their minds on that. You know, I think that's the biggest challenge. James Gunn continues to talk about like, you know, his biggest challenges being head of like DC, the, the DCU or DCEU. And he, he kind of hinted at like, they're going to be tying in not just their movies, but their TV properties, their, their games, their comics. So he's got a huge, uh, <laughs> He's got a huge mountain to conquer. <laughs> yeah, it is huge, particularly with the current state of DC movies, because the last few DC movies have not done well at the box office. So Black Adam, uh, the Shazam sequel and Flash all are disappointments box office wise. So uh, the Flash kind of signaled the end of the pre-gun era Snyderverse, whatever. Um, so he's got a, a huge uh, task in front of him. Hey, you so, want to hear something crazy? I about. I mean, speaking of James Gunn, uh, have you heard this fan theory about Guardians of the Galaxy Three? Um, I don't know. I don't know how so. popular it is, but it sounds like it's a fan theory. But Good. someone was talking about how. If you look at Rocket Raccoon's story in that movie, Rocket Raccoon is James Gunn. Mm. James Gunn wrote Rocket, Rocket Raccoon to be him in the sense that um, what they talked, what, what this person talked about was when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, the MCU started using uh, the Guardians film as sort of the cornerstone of how MCU movies are to be made moving on from that point. And so James Gunn was a valuable asset. Like that was his original thought, right? Mm -hmm. And then of course the controversy of his old tweets come out and, um, you know, he gets chastised and fired and 
you know, he's just completely removed from the MCU. And then Disney realizes, oh, shoot, wait a minute. I think we might actually need James Gunn. So they they bring him back, yeah. right? And so that's a bit of the story of like Rocket Raccoon, right? He was created by, um, what's the guy's name? Is it the creator? Oh, uh, the High Evolutionary. High Evolutionary. Yeah, yeah. And he's proud of the success that he made with Rocket and realizes that he wants to recreate that, but also throw Rocket to the side yeah. because he wants the clout of being able to recreate Rocket who had created an original thought. <laughs> mm. um, Interesting. And then so you start to draw these parallels. And then obviously the, the biggest slap in the face is I'm going to complete Guardians 3 and then I'm going to move over to DC. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that that sounds like a pretty legit theory. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I've heard James Gunn himself say that uh the Guardians character he most identifies with is Rocket. So there might be something to that theory. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh Rocket's near death experience was basically his uh, James Gunn's firing. Yes. And and, and Rocket's quote unquote resurrection yeah, uh, yeah. in the movie was Gunn's rehiring. <laughs> perhaps. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I've, I've heard crazier uh, rumors so, or uh, theories. So, yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> okay. So, oh, another thing we talked about is we don't want to run too long with these uh, informal chit chat shows so we're going to keep things moving um so right now we're in late june so you know what that means san diego comic-con <laughs> so you and i are going i mean we're we're weeks away we are Dude, I'm so ready weeks away. My, myself my family we're so ready yeah this is gonna be great yeah yeah you and your entire family are going me and my entire family are going we have friends whose entire families are going as well. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Um, this is going to be a, a, a different kind of SDCC. Yeah. Um, the writer's strike is having some pretty major effects on this year's uh, convention. Yeah. It's actually funny that you say that first, because I thought the first thing you're going to say was like, hey, this is the first time we're all bringing our families together. <laughs> well, that too. That, that's going to make it a different experience also, right? Yeah. Um, but the writer strike. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Writer strike. So uh, yeah, you talk about, you know, timely topical issues that that's kind of on everyone's mind right now. And not only does it affect, you know, future movies and shows, but uh, yeah, it does affect San Diego Comic-Con because um writers and uh showrunners are they're not only like pencils down for their projects but they with the strike they can't promote stuff either so you won't see the writer of your favorite show at a panel at comic-con and yeah. with the recent news um marvel warner brothers and universal are officially not doing major Hall H panels. So what are your thoughts on this? You know, that's interesting, actually. It's it's interesting that a lot of people, their expectations of what Comic-Con is going to be because of Hollywood scaling back, specifically Marvel, is that they're like, oh, great. There goes 
there goes my Comic-Con. Like it's, it's going to yeah. be awful. Yeah. You know, there was a writer strike back in like, I want to say early two thousands, like when the height of like 24 was out when like lost was out. Um, and I just remember there were a lot of shows that continued and they just started to tank because like the, 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 the stories of these shows were just, <laughs> you could tell that the writer's strike was, was present. And we did attend Comic-Con that those years. And man, it's a very different Comic-Con now compared to Comic-Con then, because then it, the Hollywood presence was still there, but it wasn't like the primary headline of like, Hey, come to Comic-Con and see yeah. all of your favorite movie stars and writers like that. That wasn't like the bright shining, you know, headline that it is today. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. It's, 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 it's crazy how much Holly, and this is pre twilight. I think twilight is what brought <laughs> a lot of the Hollywood attention for younger fans, mm-hmm. you know, to pay attention to Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, and now that sort of highlight is being taken away. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah i remember it was a big deal when twilight started doing panels and there were a lot of like non-comics people showing up for comic-con right and yeah since then it's become less about uh less about comics (laughs) less about comics and other the 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 core stuff of the convention and yeah it became kind of hollywoodized right so no i'm with you like i think it's kind of disappointing to hear that there's going to be a a bit of a void with some panels but dude i mean you and i've been going to this convention for years and there is so much stuff to do at comic-con like you can't do all of it yeah i think that's we can't do it all of it anyway. So you just, you find stuff to do. I think that's a silver lining in all this, like very much like our show right now, going back to its roots. I feel like in many ways, if Comic-Con scales back on the Hollywood stuff, especially like the big Marvel stuff, maybe it gives it an opportunity for other things that don't get a whole lot of attention, you know, to, to have, have their, their day in the sun, you know, highlight some mm-hmm. additional things that Comic-Con has to offer outside of just, the big Hollywood blockbuster films. Yeah. Yeah. Like typically each year I'll kind of jot down some things I might be interested in. And like inevitably like half of it, I won't, I won't even, you know, touch it. (laughs) I won't, I'll miss it or something else comes up and, you know, so like, and this is the same thing, you know, like, you know, some of us were actually talking about, Oh, Hey, we should try to shoot for Marvel at Hall H Saturday this year. And we were all kind of on board, like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but now that it's not happening, like it's, that's just par for the course, man. Like, okay, that's not happening. Uh, plan B. Yeah. Oh, plan B is not happening. Plan C. It would just, there, there's that much to do that. There's never any fear that you're going to be sitting doing nothing. Right. There's always something. Yeah. Yeah. And even if all that stuff was there, like the reality of it is you can't do it all and you have to yeah. make sacrifices. Yeah. And and even what you planned, and we've talked about this so many times, everything you planned, you got, like you said before, you have to have a plan B, C, and D because like, yeah. it's not always going to work out the way you want it to. Yeah. You could almost look at it as a positive. Whereas, you know, if it was happening, you might have some FOMO about missing it, but now you won't have the FOMO. It's not happening. So <laughs> don't worry about it. There's all, there's plenty <laughs> other stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're saying, and you're staying closer to the convention center this year, right? You're like a little closer than within a mile, right? Typically, about a mile away or so. So, you know, that's the other thing. Like, not only is the programming a big wild card, and just whatever you're going to experience, you just not sure. You're not sure what you're going to get. The same goes for pretty much every aspect of the convention. What hotel you're going to stay at. Are you going to have yeah. parking? Are you gonna, not going to have parking? I mean, everything's just up in the air. So it's 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 definitely part of the stress of SDCC, but also part of, like, part of the fun because- It's it, the it's, thrill yeah. of the hunt. That's <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah we're super excited. It's great. My, my kids are going to cosplay this year. And that's what they're most excited for um, because nice. I think their minds are just blown with all of the cosplayers that they saw last year. Uh, so they want to partake. Um, so it's going to be a good time, man. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Um, so, yeah, we're keeping things tight. I think we can start wrapping up. Any uh, final thoughts or any quick questions you want to throw out, comments, anything? I have to ask you this. Do you know about Tony Stark and Emma Frost getting married? No, I do not. <laughs> is this happening in the comics? It is happening in the comics. Wow. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the biggest wedding announcement prior to this was Batman and Catwoman. Um, mm, right. But yep. I, I haven't, I haven't read, I actually haven't read a Marvel book in a while. So I was really uh, intrigued to see this headline of Emma Frost and Tony Stark. Wow. And I'm actually really curious. I don't even know. I didn't even know they had a relationship. <laughs> did you know anything Same. about that? I did not. And I would <laughs> add that I, it, I would have never guessed in a million years that they would get together. (laughs) Unlikely pair. Curious to see (laughs) how uh, this wedding fares. I have a feeling it's not going to last. (laughs) That's my, that's my uh, quick take. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll We'll see. see. Oh, you know, speaking of Emma Frost and X-Men, I watched uh, X-Men Apocalypse for the first time. And that movie's been forever and I've never seen Mm -hmm. it. You've seen it. I yeah. have. Yep. 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 Did you like it? Um, let's see. <laughs> I will say this. It it was received very poorly. And a lot of people uh just have talked a lot of shit about it and and have kind of pointed to that particular movie as like the end of like oh, Xbox X movies, right? Oh, um but I can't say I loved it, but I did enjoy it a lot more than most people did, I think. I I actually thought it was pretty good. Like <laughs> yeah. it made me want to go back and watch X Men First Class. Um, I still have yet to see uh, what is it? Is it Dark Phoenix? X Men Phoenix? I can't remember what the movie right. is. Uh, Dark Phoenix. Dark yeah. Phoenix. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> but I thought Apocalypse was pretty good. Like having been so far removed from, I guess whatever critical review or you know <laughs> how trash talk it got. I don't know. Maybe I'm so mm-hmm. far removed from it that I came into it with an open mind. But that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a similar take on that movie and Dark Phoenix. Both were really regarded as just garbage, right? But I, both <laughs> of my thought were kind of better than than was was advertised, basically. And yeah. I don't think either were great, but okay, uh, they're okay. Show. Yeah, don't don't let the opinion of a critic uh, yeah. sway you. See it for yourself, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And. X Men First Class is a is a classic. I think I definitely go back and watch that one. I think that's a great movie. Yeah. All right, 
with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Rainier. <laughs>